After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal! Okay, fellas, we are set to go. Let's go! We are kicking. Watch the blue! Yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah, baby. Number 47 for Boston. Both guys, five minutes each for fighting! Please move it! Please move it! Please move it! Please move it! I know it's been a while. Josh, do you remember how we do this again? That's one of these buttons, Todd. I, I hope I pressed the right one. <laughs> okay, fingers are crossed. We hope that you remember us as well. This is the Scouting the Refs podcast. He's Josh. I'm Todd. We haven't spoken for quite a while, and we hope that you were safe. We hope that you were doing well. I know that there's the post-holiday surge of all sorts that is being discussed worldwide. Again, do what you can to be safe. Be nice to people. Help people where you can. We'll try to bring you a little bit of entertainment and some information on the Scouting the Refs podcast. I hope you and your family are doing well, Josh. Yeah, doing well. Enjoying the holidays. Hopefully you're doing the same, Todd, and taking advantage of any nice weather before it really gets chilly. Yes. And so far, so good. Fingers are crossed again. Let's let's all be smart and hopefully we get past this quickly. The Scouting the Refs podcast is powered by Team Stripes. It is your source for officiating equipment, training tools, and much more. GoTeamStripes.com is the website. Make sure you're following us on our social media channels at Scouting the Refs on Twitter and on Instagram. Follow Josh at Todd Lewis Sports to follow me. And of course, you can email questions as well. Hey, ref at ScoutingTheRefs.com. So in this first episode back, is this officially season two now? It is. Yeah, we're season two. We're going into our second full NHL season with the podcast. So uh, season two kicking off with uh, a holiday preview. It's just it's weird timing to kick off season two right before the start of the new year. But this is the NHL season that we've been given. And we do have hockey that is being played now, specifically the World Junior Championships happening now. We have some rule changes that we will discuss that will get us into the NHL talk. The league is in the process of returning. What's going to be different? What's going to be the same? The protocol, the rules, and all the rest of it. Josh, let's start with the hockey that is being played, and that is at the World Junior Championships in Edmonton, once again, under the bubble that the NHL used successfully to complete their season. This one's a little bit different, though, and the officiating pool is also different this year, again, because of the COVID-19 situation. It is. While we've got international teams, we don't have international officials. The entire officiating pool is comprised of Canadian referees and linesmen, so a little bit different, something that's unusual for an IHF tournament, especially when you consider the fact that you typically don't have that country's officials working that country's team's games. And no way to avoid it now, but for, for safety's sake, they have decided to go with an all-Canadian crew for this year's tournament. And that makes sense, again, because of safety in the utmost of caution. You do have a number of experienced officials, though, and I want to give a shout-out to Greg Kimmerley, who was a longtime NHL official who is working as a supervisor for this World Junior Tournament. He is, yeah. He's done some work, I know, in Ontario. He's doing some work in Europe. You've also got Al Kimmel, who's an NHL supervisor. So you've got those guys who have that experience at the top level and, and also those guys who might be doing some recruiting at higher levels. So, you know, interesting to have those eyes on you during this event. 
Very nice. Now, one of the things that you will probably notice as you are consuming the hockey of the World Junior Hockey Championships, there are some rule differences between the International Ice Hockey Federation and the National Hockey League. And we have seen some differences early on in this tournament. I was watching a game where there was a Swedish player penalized and Craig Button, who is working as an analyst, was trying to explain a little bit the difference in the body checking rule as it applies in the IIHF rulebook versus the NHL. And you, you, in a sense, have to be engaged with a player already. You can't stride and go hunt him down after the puck has been released. That's correct, Todd. And this is a relatively new rule. It was a recent change, came in in 2018 in the IIHF rulebook for late hits. And it's rule 153. If the player is no longer in control or possession of the puck and is in a vulnerable position, it's considered a late hit. And that's something that's a lot tighter than we see at the NHL level. So what you get might have been a legal play in the ECHL, AHL, NHL, whatever league these guys are working the rest of the year. It's probably a good chance that that is a legal hit. But under this rulebook, that would be a late hit. And depending on awareness of the player being checked, you know, you're looking at anywhere from a minor penalty up to a major in a game or, or even a match penalty if it's reckless endangerment or, or risk of bodily injury there. And that's that's something that I know makes it a lot tighter when it comes to the types of hits that you see in these games. And for the players and the officials, something you need to adapt to. Sure, because officials will be working at different levels and working in different leagues. So, of course, you need to be aware of the different rules that apply. In a sense, for this rule, if you've released the puck and you've followed through, it's at that point you become ineligible to be hit. And the player who is administering the hit is responsible for not hitting that player in the vulnerable position. Correct. The onus is on the hitter. And, you know, you're looking at somebody, when, are they in the immediate vicinity of the opponent? Is the opponent aware of the contact that is impending? It's it's the type of thing that in the NHL, you know, we look at interference and we do that count, right? And even right, the replay yeah. for suspensions, we say, was it eight tenths of a second or how long was it between this time and that time? And it's it's simply a lot tighter at the double IHF level. And you can see it with the officials calling it that way on the ice. We have seen some suspensions already in the World Junior Championships as well. Braden Schneider of Team Canada was suspended for their second game because of a headshot. And Austria's Philipp Wimmer was tossed for a head hit in an 11-0 game. He got a two-game suspension. That was a dirty, nasty, cheap hit. Oh, it was terrible. You know, at, at that point in the game, and I know you're frustrated to be down 11-0, but 90 seconds left in the game, you're, you're headhunting out there at center ice, catching a guy with his head down. The type of hit you don't want to see in the game. Personally, I could have gone longer than two games. Yeah. And I, you know, I kind of wish they would have. But for Vimmer, that was just a, a gutless move, especially given the game situation. Now, we have seen some lopsided scores early on. And one more quick item before we leave the World Juniors and head to the NHL discussion is there was a, a game where Team Canada was almost clock blocked from having a goal <laughs> disallowed. Yes, yes. Good one. Good one, Todd. I do like that. <laughs> that and that was a weird one. You know, we, we always love those clock controversies in the NHL where we've we had the LA Kings with their clock issues. We had John Tortorello blasting the officials after some clock issues. In this case, it, it simply appeared that the TV clocks and the official clocks were out of sync by fractions of a second. And, and that's what made the replay not necessarily match what the official clock was. So 
it wasn't a big deal because it was in that blowout 16 to 2 win by Team Canada, but it's one of those things that I'm glad it came up in that game because right. heaven forbid it come up in overtime or in the medal round or something like that where that goal makes a difference. Yes, it's it's better to have it occur early and I don't I don't know if it's the the bluetooth has a lag or something but they're just <laughs> it wasn't it was a sinking issue is what yes. what you're getting at. Yeah. That's that's exactly what it was. And an unfortunate one, because, you know, if, if the error had gone the other direction, maybe you wouldn't have had this controversy because it would have looked like there was more time on the clock. But the way it happened to sync up and, and you know, I think the IHF, without pointing fingers or anything else, just said, hey, you know what? We fixed it. Exactly. That's right. OK, the Scouting the Rest podcast is powered by Team Stripes. Check them out online. GoTeamStripes.com is the website. So we shift now to the National Hockey League, which is preparing for training camps and some, well, I, I was going to say bubbles, but they're not really bubbles. They just want everybody to be extra careful. Coaches are going to have to wear face masks on the bench. And most of them have said, uh, you know what? It's probably a good thing. You can't see what I'm saying. And my mom is going to be a lot happier with me now. But there, there are things that are going to be different this year because of the Northern Division with all the Canadian teams. It looks like there's going to be Northern Division officials. Right. It's, it's not something that the NHL necessarily wants to have from a, a bubble standpoint because you've got those teams. But with border crossings and, and travel and keeping those teams in Canada, it only makes sense to keep those officials in Canada as well. So where we're seeing each team playing the other Canadian teams, you know, nine times, they're going to see the other officials nine times or so over the course of the season. So you will get some familiarity there. And, you know, there's some benefits to it. We've always said in the playoffs, sometimes you get those guys who know what to look for and they can call it appropriately. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out and how the, the league mixes up the officials with the teams there. But it, it does look like we've got that Northern Division set, and then the, the remaining divisions will have that regular rotation of officials, as I understand it. It will be interesting to see how this plays out as the season goes along. Do you know if there are any plans to to have the have the officials move around normally during the season they move around a lot and you get to every building you see every team at least a couple of times that's that's going to be really tough come playoff time if those officials are forced to work a game with a team or teams they haven't seen yet absolutely we we saw that this previous playoffs especially when the Toronto bubble refs came to Edmonton and were officiating games with teams that they hadn't seen all season so uh, I think there's a possibility for it. We'll see how the schedules break down. You know, certainly the league has more flexibility with the U.S.-based divisions if they wanted to either shuffle a few refs here and there or take the entire groups and, and swap divisions throughout the season. They'll have that mm. flexibility. But I would imagine that when we do get into the playoffs, as we start to cross the border there, that's when I'll expect the officials to do the same. That makes sense. Oh, I should ask, too. The, we know the rules for the NHL training camps. What about the officials, the on-ice officials? Will there be a training camp? We were wondering about that when they returned to the bubbles. Yeah, it doesn't look like the NHL officials will be taking part in an in-person training camp at this point. Between the timeline, the travel, you figure all these officials are scattered around the U.S. And it's great from a contingency standpoint. And it's great to have travel and coverage and everything else that you've got these guys scattered. But now the challenge would be to bring them together, especially with this tight timeline. So as I understand it, the league will be meeting with the officials virtually. They'll be doing everything remote, video conference, chatting, get everybody up to speed. But 
Remember, these guys are professionals. They've been focused on their fitness the whole time, whether it was during the stoppage, during the break of the prior season, or even now at this short in-between off-season that we've got. So it's it's something they focused on individually, and they'll continue to do so. But it'll be interesting when they first get back out on the ice because that will likely be the first time they're taking the ice together. And it's going to be interesting to watch for a few different reasons. Okay, one of them being the rule change that has taken place. It was talked about, it was discussed, it was voted on, now it has officially happened. The change to the offside rule has occurred. Now, a player skate does not need to be in contact with the blue line for a play to remain onside. It simply must break the plane of the blue line. And I say simply, ironically, because there are some goals that we've seen in the past that will now be allowed but I'm not sure that this is really going to simplify the process. You have to make sure that the skate breaks the plane and the same question about camera angles is going to come up, isn't it? It all comes down to positioning. So now, even more than ever, the positioning of the official and the positioning of the cameras are going to be what makes this possible, if any, to, to show some improvement there. You, you've got to have that official lined up right on the blue line now because you're looking at any parallax angle views where the skate is not in contact with the ice, and now you're making a judgment call. If you're not perfectly aligned, you need to know three-dimensionally, was that skate still over the blue line or not? So I think that becomes a, a tricky addition for the officials in real time. And then when it comes to replay, you need that dead-on camera angle. You know, we've seen plenty of reviews where another player was blocking the view of the skate or there was something in the way or you didn't have a clear view of it we're going to have those same challenges Todd only now instead of worrying whether it was in contact with the ice it's going to be was it over that line and if the camera angle doesn't show it have we really fixed anything it seems like we've kind of kicked the can down the road a little bit yes. hoping that this will sort of go away and it sense this this is almost a, a bit of a public relations rule change as I see it it's we had such loud you know, griping and, and bitching about the, the skate. Oh, it's not on the on the ice. You can't really tell. It's above the blue line for sure, though. That should be a goal. It's ridiculous. And you had so much whining. It's okay, fine. We'll make it your way and we'll see what happens now. But I'm I'm still not sure that this solves the issue. I don't like if we're making it more replay dependent. I want the officials to make the call in real time. I don't want to put something in place where you're saying we can get it right because we can use camera angles. Or maybe it's a situation where they put in a few more overhead cameras so we have a definitive blue line crossing, you know, much like we have with the goal line with the puck. You, mm -hmm. you can see how well that works out consistently. But <laughs> if that's the case, well, then maybe you have a better replay angle to call it. Maybe you can get it right. But you don't want to make the on-ice officials' jobs harder. We don't want it to be a replay-based league where everything comes down to reviewing every possible offside that led to a goal so I, you know that's my concern is you, we can improve the replay process but is, is that what we want to be doing or do we want to just get the egregious errors and let the officials call it on the ice you know what you have simplified this so well and here's here's the way to look at it ask the linesman which is easier to make the call breaking the plane or skate on the ice and whichever they say that's what we go with right you know who would think that maybe you want to ask the guys who make the calls and let them weigh in on the rule changes? Uh, Radical, it, isn't it? It's something that would be a, a wonderful addition to the NHL's process there. Something else we will see this year in not necessarily every game that we know of yet, 
but it is coming to a number of teams that will be advertising sponsorship on the helmets. We will see it on players. I loved your Twitter question about the kinds of sponsors that should be looked at if we were to put ads on the referees' helmets. We had, of course, the suggestions of lens crafters, Pearl Vision, yes. et cetera, et cetera. But we, we also see that there is advertising on the referees' jerseys at the World Junior Championships, and it is rather large and intrusive to me. I, I've never been a fan. I understand the need, but I've never been a fan of some of the international tournaments with the the ref jerseys plastered with logos. You know, you get used to the the stripes and the guys just kind of blending in there. But when you've got the the large oversized logo on the front or the back or the sleeves or or wherever it is, it it does visually make it a little little disorienting there, or yes. you know, a little distracting at times. So helmets, I can I can absolutely live with. Uh, I'm I'm hoping that. This isn't a slippery slope where we get into advertising on the refs' jerseys, at least not that full chest size logo that we see at the international tournaments. That's a little large. If it were a, a patch on the shoulder or something, I could I could live with that, I suppose. And I'm I'm not opposed to seeing an ad on the the officials' helmets either. Are you okay with that? Yeah, I'm okay with it. I, I think it's a, a spot where, you know, you get enough camera angles, you get enough shots on face-offs and things like that where a sponsor would get some exposure there. And I don't think it takes away from anything. You know, you've got either the brand logo or something else on the helmet as it is. So to me, it's it's really not intrusive. And of all the opportunities, I, I find that to be probably the most agreeable from a sponsorship standpoint. And I think it works for the players. I think it works for the officials. There's ads all over the boards and everything else. Hey, right. the ECHL has ads on the goalposts. But I think uh, <laughs> as much as I don't want to go that far, I think the, the helmet is a, a manageable one. Okay, so here's a couple of quick things that I, I have about that. So you're in charge of the company and their marketing and advertising, and you're thinking of, okay, I'm going to put this on the officials' helmets or jerseys, whichever is, is allowed. Referees enforce the rules. And could a ruling against a team have a negative effect on your product or service that are fans of that team. Oh wow. So so I'm going to I'm going to do your hypothetical here. So you yeah. you take away a playoff goal from the Boston Bruins and the officials are sponsored by Dunkin Donuts. Yeah. Do, <laughs> what think what, about that? What happens to those locations in Boston? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the, the, I think those are legitimate questions that, that is, companies are going to ask. Wow, that's that's a great one. And you know, I'm thinking it would have to be a nationwide sponsorship. You know, you're not you're not going to want individual ref sponsorships. You know, a car dealership in Vancouver and they get the cars tossed and set on fire or something like that. I think you, yeah. you're going to want a nationwide thing. So, yeah, that, that I think as the sponsor, you're going to have to accept that. You'll, you'll get visibility, but it, it may not always be positive with each fan base. Oh, that's that's an interesting take. Okay, so here's the other part that I have to consider. Players get a percentage of the money from sales from their sweaters, their merchandise, etc. Does this mean the officials should also get a slice of the pie? I think so. I have long been a fan of officials' merchandise. And I think it's something that the NHL is missing out on. I know there are plenty of amateur minor league officials, you know, USA Hockey, Hockey Canada, internationally, that are fans of these guys. I know we try not to have a, a, a big personality or to have those individuals really as officials. 
but they are. You know, everybody knows Wes McCauley. And you think for a second, if the NHL put Wes McCauley jerseys out there or a Wes McCauley ref t-shirt with his number four on the back or something like that, that there wouldn't be people who would buy it? There absolutely would. And I, I think they need to do that. I think we need ref merch. And then, of course, the officials need a, a portion of that sponsorship deal. 100%. Again, it's, it's all going to be hockey-related revenue. If the more you grow the pool, the better it is for, for everyone. And in that vein... Let's do a shout out to the NWHL this year and specifically to Sarah Buckner, Erica Greenan, Kendall Hanley, Alicia Hanrahan, Jacqueline Howard, Jamie Huntley-Park, Jackie Spresser, Amanda Tassoni, Mackenzie Welter, and Laura White. These are the on-ice officials that will be working the NWHL. It's a, it's a shortened season, but it is an all-female officiating on-ice crew and good for them. I think it's awesome. I was so excited to see this come out. Uh, I know it's something that the league has been working towards, and you want to make sure you've got the right crew. You've got that that talent pool that's that's deep enough that you can you can manage this. And we've got some very talented officials here who've worked all kinds of levels, whether it's internationally, college hockey, things like that. So nice to see this group come together. There have been all women crews for hockey games, and you know we've seen that at, at other levels. But to have an all female officiating roster uh, at this level is is something to be very proud of for them and for for all women in hockey so i was excited to see it i am looking forward to it you know i think it's great to have these these women represented and for the the younger officials to have that goal to shoot for to see that you know what the women's hockey league can have women officials so uh, good for them i'm i'm super excited for this season I, I think it's a wonderful move. I think it's it's nice to see that there is there is now a, a talent pool that is deep enough that we can we can get to this this stage. And I, hopefully, it opens up more doors into into other professional leagues as well, whether it be the ECHL, AHL, or NHL. It will happen, I believe, at some point. But this will only, I think, help accelerate the process. That's it, Todd. You, you hit the nail on the head there. It's it's getting that talent pool and finding those people. The NHL's been doing their exposure camps over the summer to bring in amateur officials or to bring in players to convert to officiating and they've had women at that camp for a few years you know we had four women officiate nhl prospect tournaments last year so it's it's building and you know i think seeing those doors open up and seeing opportunities like this it only gets us closer to having women officiate in the nhl which i think will happen as well and will be fun to see i i know it's been a few months and i think we're probably a little bit rusty but I think it's kind of good to get back and do the Scouting the Rest podcast and talk a little bit about hockey. I'm I'm feeling a little bit of anticipation now, I guess because New Year's Day is, is fast approaching, NHL training camps are fast approaching, the World Juniors is on, and and yeah, hockey is coming back and I'm feeling good about it now. As am I. It's it's nice to have that on the calendar and counting down the days till the NHL puck drops. It's it's sneaking up on us. You know, we had that semi-off season and then the short off season, and now we're, we're kicking off in January, but uh, definitely looking forward to getting everybody back on the the ice and getting that that officiating action underway so it's getting close todd and nice to uh to kick things off with a look at what's ahead and we're looking forward to it and inevitably there will be controversy so there's that to think about hey if the season starts on january 13th I, i'm expecting our first controversy to happen what, one one day same day opening <laughs> day maybe don't forget you can follow us on social media send us the questions on twitter on instagram at scouting the refs at todd lewis sports and of course hey ref at scouting the is the email the scouting the refs podcast is powered by team stripes your source for officiating equipment training tools apparel and more check it out go be sure to subscribe to the scouting the refs podcast wherever you get your podcasts 
Follow us on Twitter at ScoutingTheRefs, Instagram at ScoutingTheRefs, and visit ScoutingTheRefs.com.